The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Crypto crash. The roller coaster ride continues as Bitcoin does bounce off its lowest level since January. The dollar amount wiped off the market. You have to see to believe. The key question for you Will Bitcoin's woes bleed into the stock market right now? Stock futures, they are higher. Kathy Wood on the tape, making the case for her innovation-based strategy. She admits value has overtaken growth, the trade of choice for many. A small step for Branson. Virgin Galactic completing its first space flight in years as he looks to take on Elon Musk in the great billionaire space race. And history in South Carolina for the PGA and for Phil Mickelson. It's more proof that age ain't nothing but a number. So tee it up. It is Monday, May 24th. This is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Happy Monday. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you for joining us. There is a lot to do on this busy Monday, so let's get right to it. And crypto's collapse over the weekend is the market story, so let us begin with that. And we are seeing a pretty decent move off the weekend lows. Remember, crypto, unlike stocks, doesn't take the weekend off. We are seeing a move higher right now off the lows. That's key, off the lows. Bitcoin's 36,500, up 10% again from the lows. It was below 32,000 at one point yesterday. Ripple, Ethereum, Litecoin, again, all a decent move off the low. Ethereum is at 2280. But remember, Ethereum was over 4,000 just a couple of weeks ago. All this coming off the crypto's worst week since mid-March when they lost 42 and 47% respectively. Now consider this, with the exception of maybe a couple of days of weakness in January, if you bought Bitcoin this year, you are likely losing money right now. Maybe half or slightly under half of all Bitcoin owners have actually lost money on that purchase. Ethereum, only back to April lows, it's had much of much more of a severe move higher in the past month. Now, cryptos, they are a big story, but they are still a relatively small part of the overall global markets, maybe one and a half to 2% of global assets. So the question is whether the problems that we're seeing with crypto recently will bleed over into stocks. Right now, we are not seeing that. Stock futures, they are maybe flat to slightly higher. Dow futures up 100 and 20. Again, 120 for the Dow, 62 for the NASDAQ. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, their problems over the weekend, not impacting equity markets right now. Still, 
Nerves are high, given everything that's going on. And it is not just crypto fears keeping investors on edge. Inflation also continues to be a major headline risk, something the team at Kathy Wood's ARK Invest has their eye on and taking a bit of a contrarian view, as they are wont to do. In her latest strategy note over the weekend, Wood says, quote, If we are correct in our assessment that the risk to the outlook is deflation, not inflation, the nominal GDP growth is likely to be much lower than expected, suggesting that scarce double-digit growth opportunities will be rewarded accordingly. Growth stocks in general and innovation stocks in particular should be the prime beneficiaries. All right, let's dissect all that is going on with us to kick off the week. And joining us is G-Squared Private Wealth Founding Partner and CIO Victoria Green, also one of Forbes' top-ranked Texas wealth advisors for the year. Victoria, real pleasure to welcome you back to Worldwide Exchange. Uh, Were you watching crypto? I know you're not a crypto investor, but the fear that because of margin calls, people might have to sell stocks to pay off their crypto debts doesn't appear that's the case right now. How closely, if at all, are you watching what goes on with Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera? Sure. It's an interesting part of the market, and we consider it almost part of the holy trinity of ARK funds, Tesla, and Bitcoin, and how they all seem very correlated these days. And one of the things we have to look at is you can't be a little upset if you're speculating and you get burned. So some of this with Bitcoin having the rapid rise that it's had over the last 18 months, as you pointed out, has given back a lot of the gains. We're not too concerned yet. You know, there's a really strong support around 30,000 on Bitcoin. It actually held midweek last week when it had the major sell-off, and you saw it hold again over the weekend, you know, you had news coming out of potential China regulations and then uh, potentially the IRS trying to make people report transactions over 10,000. You certainly had some news that rattled the market. But if you look at it, it fundamentally doesn't change what Bitcoin and cryptocurrency could be. And people look at that as a, a way of holding value. Is it the new digital gold? It's a way of getting away from monetary policy and central banks. And if you look at it and say nothing's broken in the protocol, crypto market is still Still a, a new wild west you kind of have to look at some of these drawbacks and if you're a crypto believer mm-hmm. you're more of a buyer of these dips necessarily than seller but as you pointed out ethereum now is becoming a little bit of a bigger name than than bitcoin and and it, bitcoin is only one of hundreds of different cryptos out there so it's yet to be seen exactly how crypto will integrate into our lives other than this digital store of value helping maybe protects you from the the u.s dollar falling which is what many people see this as Yeah, and you won't hear me call it a currency. I know others do. And with all due respect to them, currencies don't trade like this, not in modern nations anyway. And Goldman Sachs out with a note late Friday night saying that Ethereum could be a bigger overall market than Bitcoin. And to your point, Victoria, the correlation between Bitcoin and the Nasdaq has been strong. As a stock investor, does it make you, does it give you comfort to see this morning, uh, what we saw over the weekend with crypto, but the fact that stock futures are higher or do you view them as completely separate asset classes? 
I see crypto as an alternative investment asset class. So I see it as a, as a niche market still, as you pointed out, it's still a very small part of overall float. So if you look at it, yeah, you don't want to see anything meltdown because that just breeds in more fear. You know, the sky is falling chicken little style. We all love to panic these days. So I really don't like to see anything for throw grass on the fire of any panics. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see too much bleeding into stocks from, from the crypto market because I think a lot of investors see that as that are starting to potentially trade that market, I really think they view this as a long-term hold and as a way for them to get into yeah, a new market yeah. rather than necessarily actively trading it. Yeah, let's not forget what a lot of this is designed to be attached to or a key part of the blockchain, financial transactions, DeFi, which is decentralized finance. And one of your favorite stocks is selling itself with a huge blockchain attachment and that is big blue ibm is that is that one of the reasons or is that just a separate add-on to why you like ibm as an equity uh it's a separate add-on And it's really hard to find a value tech stock out there. And it's been a turnaround story. And this stock has not been very loved over the last few years because it hasn't done anything. But if you look at the new direction, you dig into what they're trying to do, you look at their vision. I do have possibly not the best name I've ever heard for a company, but you look The direction this company is yeah. going with the hybrid yeah. cloud, tons to like there. But it's not really a Bitcoin play for me. It's truly just a great value play and a company that I think has good future growth prospects. Victoria Green of G Squared. I have a little audio issue there, but Victoria, real pleasure to kick off the week with you here on Worldwide Exchange, throwing down the IBM as an investment idea. Victoria, have a great week. We will talk with you soon. Thank you. Well, right now to a big developing story overseas involving a Ryanair flight and what the company's CEO is now calling, quote, state-sponsored piracy. Jumana Brissetti joining us now with more from London. Jumana. Yeah, good morning, Brian. Such a huge story today. Let me just uh, give you a little bit more color on exactly what the Ryanair CEO, Michael O'Leary, said. He has called the redirecting of a flight by Belarus authorities a state-sponsored hijacking. The airline chief also told Irish Radio that he believes there were KGB agents on board the passenger plane that was forced to land in Minsk. Now, Belarusian authorities arrested an opposition journalist on arrival in the city, having sent a fighter jet to reroute the plane. And just so you can see, the plane was supposed to travel from Athens all the way up to Vilnius. Just before getting into Lithuania, it got rerouted into Minsk into Belarus. So the incident has drawn international condemnation with European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg and top diplomats from the UK and Germany among those calling for an investigation and potential sanctions. The US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has also said that Washington was deeply concerned by Belarus's use of a military aircraft to divert the flight saying the act endangered the lives of the 120-plus passengers on board. Lincoln also called for the immediate release of the detained reporter. And I also just want to mention that there is an EU Council summit going on ahead today. No doubt this is going to be the number one topic that EU leaders will be discussing and a potential retaliation against Belarus, Brian. A major story here in Europe. Yeah, very scary situation as well. Jumana Brissetti, thank you very much. 
All right, let's get down to some of this morning's other top stories and welcome in Christina Partsanavalos. Christina, good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange and nice to see you on a Monday. I know. What's happening this morning? Thank you. It's great to see you. I heard you're one of the greatest anchors, uh, anchors to banter with, but thank you. you got Alibaba founder Jack Ma is reportedly stepping down as president of the elite business school he founded in China. This as Beijing continues to ramp up pressure against the Chinese billionaire and limit his influence. Hupan University was established in Ma's hometown back in 2015. The FT reports the school will also be changing its name and restructuring its curriculum. Users and developers behind Bitcoin rival Ethereum, the world's most used blockchain, say they are closing in on a long sought after fix for its carbon footprint problem with the goal of reducing its energy usage by 99 percent. The change, delayed by complicated technical setbacks, is expected in the next year or less and couldn't come soon enough as more light is shed on the massive energy requirements to keep crypto markets running. And of course, surprise, surprise, Elon Musk trolling the announcement on Twitter, claiming the move is in response to the rising popularity of Dogecoin. And Masayoshi-san is warning of significant dangers around holding the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. In a series of tweets, the SoftBank Group CEO expressed bewilderment and concern about the Tokyo Olympics, calling Japan, quote, vaccine laggard, adding the government's slow inoculation drive less than two months before the start of the Games could put people's lives at risk. Brian, back to you. Well, I, I think that, and Christina, I, I don't know if I can live up to that touting. My gosh, you got me <laughs> I know, nervous. I, should, like, I just like Rodney threw that at you right away. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, you're coming out swinging, which, by the way, I love. I mean, I do wonder if Masayoshi's son, obviously a genius and a multi-billionaire, realizes that probably pretty much every single athlete and anybody going to the Olympics will themselves have been vaccinated. Right, and that they're not going to be milling about in the general population around Tokyo. Some athletes, like Steph Curry, for example, I haven't checked this morning, but I heard he's still unsure if he's going to be joining Team USA for basketball. So here's one example. Maybe some athletes are like, meh, I'm going to play it safe even though I'm vaccinated. Well, we're going to find out. We'll see if those Olympics, which are really scheduled to go on, do indeed. But we're glad that an equity investor has a, has a comment on sports. That's always, that's always helpful. Thanks. Hashtag snark. Christina, (laughs) welcome. Good. I'll I'll try to live up to your high expectations. I'm sure you will. We'll see in a few minutes. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how I'm going to go on with the rest of the show, but I guess I have to now. All right. When we come back, another big milestone in the race against COVID as cases continue to crash around America. Plus, the Hollywood blockbuster is back. And relying on some old tricks to bring in the crowds, both here at home and around the world. Later, new challenges for former Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes as her lavish lifestyle becomes fair game. One of the biggest business trials ever. Dow Futures up 150. We're back after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash find your rich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back and good Monday morning. And there is a lot of good news in the fight against COVID to tell you about right now. And here is your latest VAX stats. Nearly 50% of adults across America are now fully vaccinated at a new milestone for the land of enchantment. Over the weekend, New Mexico becoming the ninth state to cross the rather important 70% mark, the percentage of adults who have received at least one dose of a vaccine. Vermont leads the pack when it comes to the top vaccination performance, with over 81% of adult Vermonters having received at least one dose of the COVID vaccine. Now, overall, cases have been crashing everywhere. Nationally, COVID cases are down 65% from just a couple of weeks ago. And over the weekend, Texas and California each posted fewer than 1,000 new cases on Saturday. It's the first time they have done that since early in the pandemic days, both April and May, respectively, back, of course, when testing was more scarce. Some good news. COVID is on the run. All right on deck, honoring a fixture of CNBC. Details on the high-tech way that we are paying tribute to the late, great Mark Haynes, one of the biggest calls of his career. Today's big number, 94%. That's how many iPhone users in the U.S. chose not to allow app tracking when asked following Apple's iOS 14.5 launch. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. A box office hit, a new car on the block at the Vatican, and a very expensive artistic watch. Christina Partsinevelos is back with today's top trending stories. All right, Christina, what do you got for us? Ah, I'm going to give you some good stuff. You've got the ninth installment of Fast and the Furious movie franchise breaking some records in its overseas opening weekend, grossing more than any other movie during the pandemic so far. The Universal film pulling in $162 million internationally, with over 80% of that just coming from China alone. F9 will hit the United States theaters in just about a month or so. And you've got Pope Francis, sorry, Pope Francis, who could be going electric soon. And that's because the EV startup Fisker announcing it will be making the first electric Pope mobile scheduled to be delivered sometime next year. The vehicle will feature the iconic glass dome in which the Pope can sit and greet crowds. Fisker CEO Henrik Fisker met with Pope Francis on Thursday, where he presented the renderings of the proposed car. 
And a rare watch worn by Pablo Picasso has sold at an auction for almost $267,000. The 1960s-era watch went for 20 times its pre-sale estimate. Picasso was often seen wearing the watch in photographs, and it is one of three known examples bearing the artist's 12-letter name on the dial. So, Brian, I guess watches aren't dead yet, right? Well, for our viewers that are listening on the radio, maybe commuting to work again, because I guess we're doing that. It's, it's a watch without numbers. The guy's own name is the, is the numbers. As a letters, as a po- I mean, you got to be pretty, you got you to gotta be saying, if you're wearing a watch, of course, Christina Parts and Evelos would be like two watches, <laughs> probably Brian Sullivan too. You got to be pretty bold to wear a watch with your name on it, are, right? I, I mean, I, that's, that says. Are you using the word bold What are you or saying vain? there? Would you, is that interchangeable for the word vain? Because, you know, oh, I, it's like getting your name tattooed on your body. Yeah, like I had a couple of the words in my head, but then I realized we're a family show. It's five fifteen in the morning, so oh, I just I'm learning. Moved on, and this but... is my first time with you, right? So I, I gotta I gotta be family oriented, right? <laughs> we need Robert Frank to talk about that story as well, because somebody's going to be buying that watch, and, and given the market right now, it's probably going to go for a lot more than you know whatever the whatever you know down the road the number might be. Christina, pleasure to have you on. We're going to see you again in a few minutes. Thank you, Brian. By the way, thanks for getting up early. I know. It's, it's hard. I, I, my alarm clock, um, I don't know how you do it. And everybody that's watching right now, my hat's off to all of you. <laughs> you, just, you just stay up late, actually. I always say good morning, but sometimes, actually, I feel like it's good evening. Maybe you're ending the day with Wex. Mm-hmm. Christina, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you. I actually have friends in Hawaii that are, by the way, a couple of my friends in Kona. Hello and good evening. All right. Now to more headlines outside the world of money and business, including some proof that age ain't nothing but a number. NBC's Philip Men is in New York now with that and more. Good, good morning or good evening, Philip. <laughs> uh, it's a good morning for me here, at least. At least uh, psychologically, that's how I handle it there, Brian. Good morning to you. Uh, we start, though, with a deadly tragedy in Italy. On Sunday, a cable car taking visitors to a mountaintop in the Alps plummeted to the ground, killing at least 14 people. Authorities are sifting through the wreckage, trying to figure out just how it happened. Thousands of people marched in cities around the country this weekend in honor of George Floyd. Tomorrow marks one year since his murder. Floyd's death sparked sustained calls for police reform, including from President Biden, who has asked Congress to pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act by this week. More than 30 states have enacted new police oversight and reform laws. And Simone Biles made history in her first competition in over 18 months She became the first woman ever to land this vault, which included a move called the Yorchenko Double Pike. Those two backflips helped propel Biles to victory in overall competition at the GK U.S. Classic. And finally, this is what we're talking about, Brian, an electric day at the PGA Championship for Phil Mickelson. He shot one over in the final round, but he hung on to win that tournament at Kiowa Island. At 50 years old, Mickelson became the oldest golfer to win a major event. The odds for Lefty to win this tournament, Brian, before it began, were 200 to 1. So he cashed in, and anybody who bet on him cashed in as well, Brian. Did you see the crowds? Phil, I don't know if you watched it. I did. I haven't watched golf in years, but how could you not? I mean, thousands or tens of thousands of people just mobbing him. As he walked, and then you watched and you thought, 
what pandemic, and there was definitely kind of a weird feeling. And he said after the, the, the tournament, he said it was a little unnerving. I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that, whether it was the crowds <laughs> or COVID or whatever. But it was, a, it was a when you realize we're still in a pandemic and you watch that scene, it sort of took on this entirely new world, at least to me. Yeah, it was kind of surreal, you know, or, or in a way it was a throwback to 2013 when the last time he won a major when you know, we could have all of those people back together. But, you know, uh, I take that as a sign of progress to see all the sports. And MSG this weekend, too, was just rocking in the, the Knicks game as well. So fans are back in a big way. It's, I, I turned to my wife and I said, it feels like a new beginning. Now, the Knicks lost, so maybe it doesn't. <laughs> but it feels like a new beginning otherwise. And it was awesome to see also the NASCAR race in Texas. I yep. watched all sports. Always too hot to go outside. Too many cicadas. Philip Mena, thank you very much, buddy. See you soon. All right. All right, ahead. Breaking down the wild ride for cryptos over the weekend and what, if anything, it might mean for stocks in the days, weeks, and months ahead. And by the way, if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. If you miss the show any day, don't worry. You can check us out on Apple, Spotify, and other podcasting apps. And by the way, if you're interested in cicadas, I got about a million in my yard and on my Instagram at Brian Sullivan. I posted some videos showing you just how many there are. And if you're not blessed to be infested with millions of brain dead zombie inch long bugs, check out those videos I posted and you'll be you'll be quite jealous, I'm sure. Dow Futures up 150. And we're back right after this. Crypto making a comeback after this weekend's collapse. Bitcoin back on the move, but many hodlers finding themselves still underwater. Congress getting something done, striking a deal on infrastructure, but it's not even close to what President Biden wants. And your morning RBI is an answer six months in the making. Tech, Bitcoin, stocks or commodities? And what investment yielded the biggest return? The answer is finally here on this Monday, May 24th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Oh, welcome or welcome back and good Monday morning, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. And let's get right to it because with everything going on, we've got to get right to the markets and your money because over the weekend, if you kind of tuned out, by the way, good for you, we all need it, but crypto absolutely collapsed yesterday, in particular yesterday morning. Remember, it trades 24-7, not like stocks that take a lot of time off. And that crypto collapse became the story right now. Now, we are seeing the attempt at a comeback. So you're looking at your screen. And you're saying, what's, what's Sullivan talking about? The cryptos, they're all higher. Bitcoin's up 10% to 36.5. Ether's up 15%. Ripple's up 22%. Yeah, they're higher across the board, but they're coming off the, quote, highs from another week weekend. In fact, yesterday morning, Bitcoin fell as low as $31,100. Ethereum was below $2,000. We had these minor cryptos down 70 and 80% in 24 hours. Some of the ones we've never talked about, by the way, and probably never will, but we had cryptos nearly go away over the weekend. Now, if you stretch this out, and maybe with the exception of, 
I don't know, yesterday morning or a few days in January, if you bought Bitcoin this year, you are probably losing money on that investment right now. We say that because a report recently from Chainalysis says that nearly half of Bitcoin buying has been done this year. So since we are now pretty much under the price we were most of the year, you can say that maybe half or slightly less than half of all Bitcoin owners are probably now underwater. Well, cryptos, of course, they are a big story, but they are still a relatively small part of the overall global markets. I think Mike Novogratz said on Squawk the other day that it was about 2% maybe of global assets. The question thus is whether the problems with Bitcoin and others will bleed into stocks because there are hundreds of thousands, if not more than a million, of crypto buyers who used borrowed money so they will be forced to raise cash when they are called on their margin. Your investment dropped. Mr. Sullivan, we need the money now. I don't have it. Well, that's too bad. You've got stock with us. We're going to sell that automatically to pay back your debt. Right now, it does not appear that any kind of levered action, margin call action on crypto is impacting equities. Remember, Bitcoin and the NASDAQ, they've kind of been tracking along the same way, but not right now. NASDAQ futures up 72, Dow futures up 131. They're both up about one half of 1%. So let's get more color and insight into what everything is going on. Try to tie it all together. Bring in Jan Van Eck. He is the CEO of Van Eck Associates. Jan, it's a real pleasure to have you on Worldwide Exchange in a perfect voice on your blog, on your company blog. You've, you've posted about Bitcoin. You've posted interviews with other smart people about Bitcoin. I've got to imagine that you are watching what happened over the weekend with some keen interest. What's your take on this sudden spate of massive volatility in these cryptos? Well, sure, Brian. Good morning. Uh, this, this volatility has been really vicious. I mean, the meltdown on Wednesday morning and a little bit over the weekend was really testing the, the lows of Bitcoin in the low 30,000s. There's just been a flood of bad news. I mean, you alluded to some of it, but over the weekend, the third largest exchange, crypto exchange um, operating in Asia, was told that it would cut back on its leveraged use of leveraged products. I mean, some of the leverage in the offshore uh, crypto exchanges is something like 50 times uh, the price movement, nothing like you can get on the on the CME or the, the other uh, futures exchanges we have here in the state. So that was the question that you posed. Would this leveraged money um, cause a real dislocation in the system? And I would say so far, the answer is no. Things have uh, continued to operate. There's been a lot of price volatility, but Bitcoin's down 50 percent from its from its highs. I don't really think that's that's too bad. So it's absorbing a lot of bad news. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, the move in cryptos over the weekend and the margin calls that we talked about that we know were coming. I mean, we have reports of hundreds of thousands of crypto accounts being closed forcibly because you owe them. If you bought it on borrowed money, they make the call. You don't have it. You got to raise it somewhere. Do you think the Bitcoin NASDAQ correlation, because if you overlaid the charts, they look pretty similar. Do you think that's a thing? Will that continue or ultimately can tech stocks, Jan, can they go their own way? Well, you know, the bigger markets have been going through this violent um, 
back and forth between value and growth. Uh, we felt sort of last summer that growth had really outrun um, it, its, its power and was going to kind of trade flat against the market. And that's really what it's done. And it's really hard to figure out what the Fed is going to do. Is the Fed going to allow some tapering? And that's what, in a, in a way, I think Bitcoin reflects the overall tech market and what the stock market's been dealing with. Our, our view is kind of... <laughs> Um, you know, sell in May and go away. And that would kind of be my view on, on crypto as well, which is you just, the markets just need a rest. I mean, they ran up so much last year. Uh, global growth, the big, the big story we see is that global growth is running super hot and the car needs to slow down from 200 you know, miles an hour to like 70 miles an hour. And the question is, you know, can the economy with all the stimulus just cool down a little bit? You know, you see all the all the overheating and lumber prices and a lot of the commodity prices. Probably crypto was a little bit of that. But our, our narrative is to take a step back and the crypto technologies, I think, will be really disruptive for yeah. the payments industry and for Wall Street in the long term. And there's nothing, you know, that we see that disrupts that very high conviction view, which is this space overall is not just Bitcoin, which is sort of like a digital gold, but yeah. also some of these other technologies like Ethereum that you mentioned. And their annual revenue has gone up last and that's, year from $2 billion to $15 billion. I mean, that's a big growth story. Yeah. And quickly, Jan, Goldman Sachs had a huge new report over the weekend, came out Friday night, read it with interest, basically launching sort of crypto coverage, if you will. They believe Ethereum will or is likely to be bigger than Bitcoin. What do you think? Quickly. Very different use cases. Um, you know, I call uh, Ethereum for the old people like the MS-DOS. It's the, it's the base layer on which a lot of new technology is going to be built. The question is, will Ethereum be the best? Is it the fastest for all uses? It's undergoing a big software change this year, Brian, and we'll have to watch. I think yeah. you need to own a basket. Sorry to take the ETF philosophy here, but there's a couple of competitors like Solana, I'll mention one, where you just don't know yet, I think, who the winners are. These are all baby, baby technologies. It's the first inning. So uh, I'm glad they pointed that out. I missed that report, but that's, uh, that's where I think we are in this cycle. I would also just want to make one last yeah. comment. It's a maturing asset. Bitcoin in 2021 is not the same as it was in 2017. There are more people using it. There's more applications that use it. So it's very early days. It's going to be volatile, size it appropriate in your portfolio. But I think it's got a lot of yeah. long ways to go. I think you just called Bitcoin the Phil Mickelson of cryptos, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's long in the tooth, but still can perform. Jan Van Eck, Van Eck, it's a pleasure to have you on. Jan, we'll see you again soon, I hope. Thanks for your insight. Take care. Thanks, Brian. All right. And speaking of sort of all things blockchain, we want to let you know that CNBC is launching its first NFT, non-fungible token today for two great causes. Ten years ago today, CNBC lost our dear friend Mark Haynes. He was, of course, a fixture here for the network's launch until he passed. And he's remembered for a lot of things. But certainly for the Haynes bottom, maybe most of all, what he called the low in the S&P on March 10th, 
2009. I, 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 I think for this. we're at a bottom. I really do. Now, in honor of Mark, we're auctioning an NFT of that famous call from 09. We're also selling a set of amount of tokens for anyone who does not want to participate in the actual auction. It's all online now at mintable.app slash CNBC. Mintable.app slash CNBC. It goes live at 9 a.m. Eastern this morning. It ends 10.30 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Now, all proceeds go to Autism Speaks. That was a favorite charity of Mark and the Council for Economic Education, which focuses on financial literacy. Go to mintable.app slash CNBC. By the way, it's a carbon neutral event. We are buying carbon offset credits from a company called Ariel. Check it out. It's all for a good cause. And Mark Haynes. All right, let's get now to some of this morning's top other stories as well. Christina Partsinevelos is back now with those. Christina, good to see you again. Good to see you. You've got a bipartisan group of senators reaching an agreement on a $300 billion transportation package. The money will go towards this country's highways, roads, and bridges. The previous authorization expired last year, and Congress had passed a one-year extension, which ran out in September. The agreement comes as the Biden administration and congressional Republicans struggle to strike a deal on a broader infrastructure package. Jurors in the upcoming fraud trial of Therano CEO Elizabeth Holmes will be able to hear evidence about her lavish lifestyle. The judge in the trial ruling over the weekend that prosecutors can present information on Holmes' expensive rental home, private jet use, and stays at luxury hotels. But they will be barred from introducing details about her specific purchases and personal items outside of her position as CEO. The trial is slated to begin in late August. And Virgin Galactic making progress in its bid to complete development of its space tourism system. The company successfully flying its first space flight in more than two years just this past Saturday. The company has two remaining FAA milestones it needs to clear to receive a key license for conducting regular space flights. Ryan, back to you. Very cool stuff, Christina. Thank you very much. All right, coming up, it is your morning RBI and the answer to a big money question we asked all of you six months ago. All right, welcome back and good Monday morning. Why don't we talk taxes? Because G7 members are reportedly nearing a deal on just how to tax the world's biggest companies, with the Financial Times saying an agreement could come as early as Friday. Now, in the meantime, the Biden administration is working to come up with its own tax formula for multinationals. Robert Frank joining us now with more on how this is all playing out right now. Robert, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Brian. A lot to unpack here. First of all, that G7 news relates to the tax rate that other countries impose on their multinationals. Uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan tweeting over the weekend that the world is closer than ever to a global minimum tax. Now, this follows the announcement by Treasury last week that it was lowering its proposed global rate from 21% to 15%. That was after low-tax countries like Ireland and Hungary opposed that 21% proposed rate. The big question now is what it means for Biden's proposed rates on U.S. companies bringing profits back to the U.S. Now, he had proposed a 21% rate for the minimum tax on overseas profits and a 28% for the overall corporate rate in the U.S., the bigger the gap between those three rates, the less competitive U.S. companies will be overseas and the more likely they will shift profits 
back overseas as well. Tax experts saying it is now likely that Biden will probably lower the tax on multinational profits as well to keep in line with that 15 percent proposed rate overseas. Now, U.S. companies earn more than 500 billion of their profits from overseas. That's about a quarter of their total. Secretary Yellen saying that a global minimum tax is needed to stop the race to the bottom for corporate tax rates. Brian, so a a lot of race to throw around here. But basically, if you're telling countries overseas they can go to 15 percent as their overall minimum, you can't then force U.S. companies to meet a 21 percent rate when they bring profits back. So he hasn't said one way or the other what he's doing with that global minimum rate for U.S. companies. But the signal is and the hope by, you know, look at pharma companies, software companies, even retailers, banks. These are all companies that pay a lot of taxes overseas. The hope is he will also raise lower that 21 percent for U.S. companies bringing money home. I'm sure there, there will be or is some criticism, Robert, that it is not the United States' job to tell other nations what they can do, right? Sort of a, a global arrogance of, well, this is what you should do, Ireland, because Ireland is one of the countries that is in focus here. That's right. And Ireland's rate is 12.5 percent. Hungary's around 8 or 9 percent. And, and there has been not so much a race to the bottom, but a race to lower rates. And what the U.S. was threatening to do is right now, if you're a U.S. company that, that does business in Germany or Ireland, you essentially deduct the taxes that you pay in that country before you then pay some minimum tax in the U.S. The U.S. was threatening to say, look, we're not going to deduct any taxes from your country for companies if you don't yeah. follow this minimum rate. So there was a big carrot and a big stick along with this proposal, which is why maybe they're warming up to this 15% rate. Yeah, but I have a feeling, having been to Ireland, talked to their tax officials about it, that's their competitive advantage. They're a small island off the coast of the UK. I mean, that's their advantage, which is, that's what we do. We're going to have a lower tax rate and bring some of those back-end functions there. Obviously, a big fight setting up. Robert Frank, we're glad you're here to tell us. Robert, thank you. All right, on deck. The answer to an investing question six months in the making. It is your morning RBI. It's coming up along with Jeff Kilbert. And May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Here is Fast Company Editor-in-Chief Stephanie Mehta. As a child of immigrants from two different Asian cultures who grew up in a predominantly white community, I think I developed a sense of empathy for others who felt like they were outsiders or didn't quite fit in. And these days, empathy is actually considered a really valuable leadership trait. And so I try to tap into empathy as a tool for building a cohesive and kind culture and team. Well, this morning's most random but interesting thing is the answer to a question that we asked all of you all the way back in late November. On Twitter, we posted this. Okay, Smarties, of these four, which will have the best percentage return in six months? The QQQ, Bitcoin, S&P 500, or a basket of 14 different commodities via the Invesco DBC commodity ETF? Okay, a little bit of a mouthful. But it was actually a pretty close vote. 37% of you said Bitcoin, but a pretty equal number picked the QQQ or the S&P 500. Look at that. 
And the commodity ETF brought up the rear, but still got 18% of the vote. Well, that was six months ago yesterday. And it turns out the wisdom of crowds was right. Even with the massive recent haircut, Bitcoin did come out on top. 37% of you were right. And it came out, by the way, with a pretty big margin, even with the drop yesterday. Here's how it's played out since we tweeted out that question six months ago. Bitcoin, not including today's gains, because we did this last night. Bitcoin up 89%. But look at that. The commodity ETF, the lowest picked, was second with the 33% gain. S&P 500 and the NASDAQ triple Q bringing up the rear. So good job to you, of course. And till the last few days, Bitcoin had a massive lead. But when you drop 40%, that's kind of what happens. I guess maybe the most surprising thing was, again, that last place vote. Commodities, no one cared. But guess what? Came in second the last six months, doubling the S&P 500 and about two and a half times big tech stocks. Nobody cares. But that was actually my pick in the poll was commodities. It is the year of digging stuff out of the ground. Or maybe to put another way, so far, metals are greater than Microsoft. Random, but interesting. We will probably do another poll this week for the next six months. Why not? Well, let's welcome in our friend Jeff Kilberg. He is the CIO of Sanctuary Wealth. And Jeff, I don't know if you voted on that or if you did how you would have voted. If we did the same poll today for six months from now, Bitcoin, S&B, QQQ, commodities, how would you respond? Well, Sully, it's quite comical that we're actually snubbing our nose at a paltry 13% gain by the QQQ. But if I had to make a choice here, I look at the way we've seen Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies really reset. That level set has been a 44% drop down. So now with the market cap of Bitcoin at about $625 billion, maybe after today's gain of $700 billion, I do like having exposure to Bitcoin. But it is interesting. Metals, look at gold, look at silver. Gold's knocking on 1900 Silver's thinking about going back to $30. And here we are in a really low dollar index regime. With the dollar near multi-year lows at 90, I think that puts a lot of wind in the sails of your choice of the commodities and the metals. Are you, do you, Jeff, find any comfort from the fact that the crypto collapse over the weekend? Because if we throw up the crypto board right now, by the way, they look good. I mean, they're up 10, 15, 20 percent. You say, well, everything's fine. If you tuned out yesterday morning, Bitcoin almost broke below 30,000. It did hold, but it was down big. And remember, it was 65,000 about one month ago. But we are seeing crypto drop over the weekend but NASDAQ futures up. Do you still think tech stocks and crypto are correlated? But it has to be understood that we're seeing the cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin, trade all weekend long. Very different and in contrast of stocks and bonds like we're traditionally used to. So I do think you have to understand that it's not a VIX. It's not a measurement of true risk, but there is a risk sentiment gauge when you look to the cryptocurrency universe and how we're going to approach and rebalance potentially this week in the stock market. But I'm optimistic about stocks this week. This is a great week ahead of us. Watch the consumer. He's going to be, he and she are going to be strong. Yeah, there is a lot going on this week as well, but we always appreciate the CIO of Sanctuary Wealth is View, Jeff Kilberg. Good morning, my friend. Thank you for coming on Worldwide Exchange. As always, love seeing you. 
And folks, that does it for us here on a Monday. We're going to leave you with Dow futures up 150, NASDAQ up half a percent as well. Crypto's on the way back. A big news day. Squawk of the gang picking it up right now. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.